Well, hey, everyone. I'm here with my friend, uh, Brittany, and she uh, gets to follow that. <laughs> uh, Brittany is the first of uh, several guest speakers that we will hear from during the next several months. I should probably refer to you as Reverend Brittany Steffen. Brittany's fine, she says, okay. Um, Brittany was uh, part of the conference youth ministry programs with Brian Durand way back in the day. <laughs> she worked in the conference office with Brian during college, and he picked her on purpose as someone that uh, he had a meaningful relationship with that he wanted to share during this series. Today, Brittany is the Associate Director of Multicultural Vibrancy in the Michigan Conference of the United Methodist Church. Did I get that right? You got it. And she's got a great message for us today. So give it up for Reverend Brittany Steffen. Thanks, everyone. Let me begin just by saying a huge thank you to Pastor Brian and all of the staff who have welcomed me here at Clay Church this weekend and for the invitation and opportunity to preach here with you all this morning. When I was contacted a few months ago, all Pastor Brian had to say were the two words near and dear to my heart, Broadway musicals. And I was all in, but of course I would have accepted his offer either way, but getting to preach on a series called The Gospel on Broadway on Wicked, which happens to be one of my favorite musicals, certainly sweetened the deal a bit. Now, I'm a third-generation United Methodist um, of the same church that I attended in my hometown of Huntington, Indiana, and we went regularly as I was growing up, and it wasn't all that uncommon for me at that age to spend more time thinking of ways I could get out of worship than I did trying to actually pay attention during the service. But there was one particular Sunday that I will never forget, and I happened to be flipping through the bulletin, as I often did, and I found a page where all of the staff members were listed. And at the top of that list, it said, ministers, all people. And below it, proceeded to have the name of the senior pastor, the administrative assistant, you know, so on and so forth, all of the other staff and their titles. But it caught my attention, the ministers, all people. And at first I thought there might have been some kind of mistake. Like, surely that doesn't mean anything. We're not all on staff at the church. But the more I sat down and began to think about it, the more I began to realize that maybe that's the point. And the truth of the matter is, is that we are all ministers. And I've heard it said that ministry happens in life's interruptions. And while I know that to be true, I think it's also happening all around us, whether we recognize it or not. Ministry happens wherever we are, wherever we go, whoever we're with. This is what we're called to do and be as the disciples of Jesus Christ. And in many ways, ministry is simply being present with one another and to meet one another's needs. So we've all been given these incredible, unique gifts, abilities, talents, and experiences that shape each and every one of us and set us apart from one another, which I think is pretty incredible, if you ask me. Sharing the gifts of the Spirit is one thing that makes being in community so important. And the beauty of it is, is that someone else is able to do what we cannot. It's what completes the larger puzzle 
the greater vision of who God has created each of us to be. And as you might have hopefully gathered by now, the music that, that we're talking about today is from Wicked. But for those who may not be as familiar with this story or may need a refresher, Wicked is a prequel to The Wizard of Oz. And it focuses on the origin of the life of the Wicked Witch of the West. And it goes on to tell two, a story of two unlikely friends, Alphaba, who's the Wicked Witch of the West, and Glinda, the Good Witch. And throughout the course of the musical, uh, we, we learn of you know, their relationship struggles um, through their opposing personalities, the way that they do things, their viewpoints, uh, rivalry over the same love interest, reactions to their corrupt government systems. But ultimately, we also witness the Wicked Witch of the West's fall from good graces. And it's a fascinating story with some incredible music. And if you haven't seen it, I, I encourage you to look it up online. Um, it's been long enough now that it's usually pretty readily accessible for the most part. But it wrestles with so many of these complexities of life. You know, the moral dilemmas that we're faced with, unexpected connections that we find ourselves in the midst of, and learning to bring out the good in one another. Interestingly enough, our scriptures are filled with some of those same motifs. And the Bible tells us again and again of the complexities of life. It speaks to the call for us to be in community with one another, to encourage one another, to love one another, to bring out the good in one another. Now, there may be times when we don't feel particularly called to do something, or we don't think it makes a whole lot of sense at the time. But it's at that moment that we are called to live by putting our faith and our trust in God. And the real question is, is are we willing to set aside our own desire for control and let God work in our lives? We shouldn't shut ourselves off to the possibility that God may be calling us to do something that we may believe to be impossible at the time. Ultimately, things can change, and while it might not be possible for us to do it alone, accepting the invitation to be a part of a Christ-centered community multiplies our possibilities in life-changing ways. And we all have passions, and if we try to use gifts that are not our own, it will inevitably drain us. However, when we use our God-given gifts and do the things that we're passionate about, it will energize us and it will likely bring us a great deal of joy in the midst of it as well. Many times figuring out how to live into our passion through obstacles or adversities may be challenging, but the accomplishments that we face at the end of that are all that more rewarding. And the priorities that we hold and the way that we live our lives are an example that we have set around us for everyone to see. Those things show firsthand how we are living in Christian community each and every day. And we have been entrusted and given this incredibly important task to share our gifts so that it reflects the ministry of Christ at work in this world. And the greatest witness that we can be to others is by offering our own gifts and living it out with great intention. The Apostle Paul has stated that by being model citizens, we are living out the gospel and making it attractive to others in a way for those who may not yet know Christ. 
So it's important for us to concern ourselves to doing that which is good. And our call to be in community with one another has the power to change us and those around us for the better. In the early church, people often met in the temple as a collective whole, a lot like what we do in church today for worship and proclamation. And they also met in small group settings, you know, in the home or out in the communities. And it was in these two primary settings where people were engaged, equipped, and empowered to work together for the good of their community. And during this time, the Christian community experienced a season of profound growth and revitalization. And looking back on all that it tells us in Acts chapter 2, I think at times many of our larger church institutions or the bureaucracy that may be often forgets that it's not the policies of the church itself that manufactured that growth. No, it was a direct result of the Christian community living in such a way that it served as a living witness to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And to me, Acts chapter 2 is such a beautiful example of what it means to be the church at work in this world. It illustrates the ways that we were all created differently and how we were each given our own unique gifts of ministry through the Holy Spirit and act with one accord. Romans chapter 1 verses 11 and 12 speaks to what it means to be a Christ-centered community. And it speaks to the community when it works together for good. In the New Revised Standard Version, it states, For I am longing to see you, so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, or rather, so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. We all have something to offer to the work of the church, and we all bring our own unique gifts and cultures and environments to each and every setting. This passage depicts how our spiritual gifts are the things that strengthen us to do the hard work. They're the things that strengthen us to be the disciples of Christ at our very core. And it's the thing that should really help us live out and be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Being mutually encouraged by each other's faith requires that we celebrate our differences and value that need for togetherness so that we will be able to truly grow in our faith, come together as a community of believers, and live responsibly in this world. And ultimately, responsible living comes by learning and growing from one another. It's said that we don't know what we don't know. We know more when there are more of us who work together for the common good. And when the body of Christ is operating within our own God-given gifts, everyone benefits. God gives our spiritual gifts to each of us so that we will help build up and encourage one another. And as Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That comes from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And ultimately, we all need each other as we all have these different gifts. And it's when we're brought together that's what makes the church even stronger, that makes the picture and the puzzle pieces fit together for the larger whole. Now I know in an increasingly polarized nation, this concept may seem countercultural to some. But how boring would our lives be 
if our families, our friends, our community of believers all thought the same things and all did everything exactly alike. I don't know about you, but that's not really a world I want to live in either. And if we listen, Romans is what's calling us to come together in our own ways so that something beautiful can happen when we're encouraged by one another's faith. The literal meaning of the word worship means the work of the people. And its very essence requires our devotion and our worship to be lived beyond the time that we spend together in church on Sunday mornings. It's to be lived out, whether we recognize it or not, in ways that we take forward. You know, after the benediction has been said and after, you know, the songs have been sung. It's who we are in the Monday through the Saturdays of life as well. And who we are when we take our encounter with God with us out to the rest of the world. In the 21st century, the world is connected now more than ever before. And with the help of advanced technology, people are able to engage with one another in different places all across the globe. I imagine that there are places from all across the country and the world who are gathering together online in virtual worship with us this morning, too. And that's not something that we could have done 5, 10, 15 years ago. And yet there's still so much for us to learn and understand. And all that does is open our lives up to this world of possibilities that we may never have known about before. There's so much to discover when it comes to people who are different than us. And personally, I think Christian communities are at their best when they reflect that same sense of connectedness and strive for a better understanding of one another. Unfortunately, in this day and age, many see worship on a Sunday morning as a largely irrelevant place that they've never been invited to authentically belong. And I believe, though, that God is still working through the life of the church and through the lives of each and every one of us to help blur the sacred and the secular beyond their own definitions, to continue to live into that work of the people that exists and can exist to take this church out into the world so that it continue to live and thrive beyond these four walls. We are called to learn and grow from one another, to build communities and ministry settings with room for everyone to have a place at the table and flourish in their God-given gifts. I know from personal experience the power that can come from providing someone a place to authentically belong and offering them a way to live into their calling and utilize their giftedness. I'm ordained in the United Methodist Church today because my pastor trusted a 14-year-old girl with a calling. And that pastor gave her the opportunity to preach and paired it with mentorship and guidance along the way. What this communicated to me was that I was a trusted and valued member of not only the church that I attended, but that my calling was recognized in the larger faith community as well. Now, I wasn't a preaching prodigy at 14 or anything, which means that congregation very patiently sat through some very mediocre sermons um, and Bible studies. But it was their ongoing sense of encouragement and support in my life that helped nurture that call within me as time went on. And it's that same sense of support and encouragement that I leaned on when things got hard. 
So if you are feeling called to do something, don't expect perfection on your first try. In fact, don't expect perfection at all. Instead of seeking perfection in our calls, find a faith community to nurture that call into being. And if you see that someone is called to do something, work to support and nurture that call within them. It's the very sense of mutual encouragement that Romans instructs for us to do. Being in community and living into the call that has been placed on our lives requires us to live beyond our comfort zones. Now, that's not something that takes place easily, and it often requires a lot of work and dedication and practice. But when we do it, it has transformational power and a way to become a new life for us. And it's a difficult thing to measure, this comfort zone, and it can be challenging at times to live out. But ultimately, the most growth takes place in our life, in our communities, when we live on the outside edge of that which makes us uncomfortable. It's the very place where our passions and our gifts come together to intersect, and where we're met with this unique opportunity to live beyond that which we have always known. In the song that was so beautifully sung for us for good, it begins, I've heard it said that people come into our lives for a reason, bringing something we must learn and we are led to those who help us most to grow if we let them and we help them in return. Is that not essentially the same thing that I just read from our passage in Romans just moments ago? Is that not what our call is as this community of faith? And the song goes on as ends with, who can say if I've been changed for the better? But because I knew you, I have been changed for good. We are undeniably shaped by the people in our lives. All of us continue to change and grow as we strive to be the people that God is calling us to be. And what an opportunity for good that we have before us. Take a moment to reflect on the individuals who have come before you or those who are still with you that walk alongside you that either have or are changing your life for the better, for good. And just as importantly, whose lives are you changing for the better? by your prayers, your presence in their lives, your gifts, the service that you have to offer, or the witness of Christ that you bring? Has there ever been a time when the actions of a Christ-centered, missional-focused, connectional church is more urgently needed? Not in my lifetime, and probably not in any of yours. What is our calling if it's not a witness to a prayerful devotion and social encouragement that connects people to the good news of Jesus Christ. The power of Christ comes to life in our connecting, in our connectionalism, in being together, in supporting and nurturing the call in one another. The Christian church is a community that has said no to the things that separate us from God and is what frees us to say yes to Christ. So it's up to all of us to take a look at our future together, to determine who it is that we really want to be. And if, you know, on January 9th of 2022, you are not who you want to be, 
it's not too late to live into something else. We have the opportunity to strengthen our commitment to God and be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. If our faith is not deep in our hearts, or if faith is not at the center of our life together in community, it will only ever be a superficial imitation of faith. So as we look ahead at the rest of 2022 and beyond, may we open ourselves up to the Spirit of God moving within us and explore new opportunities that this community has yet to become. What is in our heart is essential to the way that we live our lives. So let's carry God's love for us and our love for one another as the foundation of our faith journey and ask ourselves, how are we being changed for the better? Changed for the better in our faith, changed for the better in the way that we love, changed for the better in the way that we live into community, changed for the better in the ways that we go out and engage in acts of justice and mercy, changed for the better in the ways that we offer and are the body of Christ here at Clay Church and beyond. Are we only willing to go as far as our comfort zones allow us? Or are we willing to let go and let God lead us into a life anew where our purpose is fulfilled in a way that can truly say that because we knew this faith community, we have been changed for good.